Challenge the Rhetoric. Today is Wednesday, October 14th. My name is Sherry Roberts, and I'm your host on Challenging the Rhetoric. It's going to be a great show tonight. Glad to have you listening. I have a co-host tonight, something new. I had a co-host a while back, but it's been a while since I've had one. She's going to be here for the whole show. You've met her before, but before I tell you who it is and bring her on, let me say that, as always, we're here looking for some real conversation from a place of real concern, not hysteria, not fear-mongering. Uh, children today face some really unprecedented obstacles in this really hyper-digital world. The pervasiveness of technology and the absence or even the lenience of parentals creates a, a big atmosphere for right for potential privacy invasion, exploitation of children, and, and even abuse beyond ju- beyond the exploitation, but full-on physical, tangi- tangible abuse. Um, so tonight we're going to be talking about toys and technology, uh, leading by example and, you know, the different steps that we can take to protect the children in our lives. Whether you have kids, you have kids in your life somewhere, some way, and you yourself were a kid. So I want you to listen, and I want you to listen with one ear kind of like from your own childhood and one ear on the pulse of what it would be like to be a a kid today. We're not going to have a grill guest tonight so that uh, we have a little bit of time to tell you about an upcoming monthly series that Challenging Rhetoric is going to be doing. It's called SOS. I'll tell you more about that with the co-host here in a bit, and we're going to have a whole segment talking about it to fill you in on the details, and we really hope that you participate with us in it, share share it, just like we ask that you do for this show. Later in the show, I'm going to tell you who the Liar of the Week is. You can also go to the social media or the website and check out for yourself if you don't want to wait. I'm also going to be closing the show with a tip for all the activists out there. It doesn't matter what your cause is. The Tips are pretty universal, and it just kind of gives you a different kind of focus to truly reach outside of the general choir that we often find ourselves singing in. So here we go. A few weeks ago, a very close childhood friend of mine joined me here, and we were discussing childhood sexual abuse. She is a 47-year-old mom of three. She's a grandma, just like me, and she's, of course, a daughter herself. Um, I invited her back tonight to co-host the show with me because together we're going to be looking at the differences for kids from our generation, our parents' generation, our own children's generation, and then as grandparents now with with little toddlers, this new generation. Um, So, Kim, welcome back to Challenging the Rhetoric. Well, thank you for having me back. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you. Uh, I'm very glad to have you. Um, it's been very great to reconnect with you and be working on the, our, our new project that we'll talk about a little bit later. But, um, you know, I can't think of really anybody else that I I know that can talk on these different generations on the topic of neglect and abuse and just misplaced trust and, and stuff like that for, for tonight's topic. So, But before we get into all that stuff, I want to you know help the listeners be able to help us tonight. So during the live show, I'm going to be posting to the Facebook slash ChallengingTheRhetoric.News fan page, and I'll be tweeting from at CTR Newsfeed using the hashtag CTR, L-O-T-W for Liar of the Week. We won't be using the grill tonight since we don't have a grill guest, but we're also going to add the hashtag for tonight, and it's hashtag SOS. 
So we appreciate every like, share, and follow that we get, as always, and your support and the interaction with us, your participation. It means a lot. It lets us know we're doing a good job. It lets me know that I'm on the right track when I'm, you know, putting these shows together every week. Every week. So please be sure to let me know. Hit me up on social media. Hit up the pages, the website, you know, the, the Twitter, all of it, and say hi at the very least, and then hopefully share some stuff. You can find the website at Challenging the Rhetoric. Dot news. The number, if you'd like to call in and participate live on the show with us tonight, is area code 646-787-1790. There is no 800 toll-free number with Blog Talk Radio anymore for the time being. So uh, if you are able to make calls and you want to get on the air, you can do that. Just remember, if you're listening to an archive, you're not going to be able to get through on the phones. I have to remind people that every week because I have gotten messages like, Nobody was there to answer the phone. Well, if you're listening to an archive, obviously it's not a live show. <laughs> Same goes for the chat. We do have a live chat room every single week, week and you can find that at the uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash challenging the rhetoric with Sherry Roberts. That's C-H-E-R-I, um, and that's on Blog Talk Radio. You can find the chat room there. Everybody needs to be respectful uh, to each other in their talking, to, to myself, to my guests on the show, uh, because this is a conversation. This is not any kind of bait-and-switch debate. You can, you, know, you can also post on the social media, and we're watching that. So, you know, definitely, you know, let us, let us know you're there. I know a lot of you, because I look at the stats, and I know a lot of you are, like, listening through your mobile devices um, or iPads and stuff like that while you're out and about, and maybe you're not in a good place to interact. And that's cool, but you can also shoot us an email at challengingtherhetoric at yahoo.com, and we'd love to hear from you. We broadcast live on Blog Talk Radio, but the stream is also found on iTunes as well as Spreaker, and pretty soon here it'll also be found on iHeartRadio, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I do have some YouTube live stuff coming up, uh, but I'm not ready to announce exactly how or when that's going to happen because I'm working on the logistics of it. So anyways, I want to jump right into the first story um, with with Kim here. and uh, But before I kind of just start rambling once more, Kim, you know, I, I'm really glad that you came back on. You and I obviously, for the listeners uh, from a few weeks ago when you were on and, and and those that are catching up now, we suffered a lot of different abuses and neglect as a kid. And although tonight's show isn't about anything to do really with our stories, we can certainly share our perceptions of of toys and technology in our time versus what was completely, as far as technology, pretty much non-existent in our parents' childhood, you know, compared to when our kids were small. I mean, you still have at least one child in the home that's a minor um, of your three. Mine are all grown and gone, but we also have grandbabies now. We have grandbabies the same age, and they're three, and the idea of a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about is, is pretty frightening to me. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I feel the same way. There's a lot of things that I just don't even understand, and I think that's what scares me the most, is not knowing what how do you Right. So how do you when 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 a parent is busy, for somebody that, you know, like you're saying, there's so much stuff that you don't understand. When how do you get to a point of understanding? I mean, where what do you choose as a parent who might not be um, 
you know, I, in the know or as up on, you know, kind of current events as I am because I live and breathe it every day. How do parents that aren't, you know, quote, unquote, paying attention or whatever to that sort of stuff, how can they just go about their lives and know that their kids are safe? I mean, is that even possible? Well, I think that it's sometimes it's an ignorance, too, just not um, knowing that there's even anything out there. And in my case, in your case, as we've discussed, we were a little more hypervigilant about what was going on. And, um, you know, I was very strict about computer time, especially when my kids were younger. Um, Of course, now that they've gotten older, that's all gotten away from me, and I don't even understand most of the stuff that's going on. Like I I said, just talking to my 17-year-old son in Snapchat, um, I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were saying something to me earlier, and I, I have my old—not my oldest, my middle, my middle kid, my my second daughter. She uses Snapchat, or she, at least she used to, not too long ago, often. And I don't—I've not—it's not one of the social medias I've really delved in. It seems much more for the younger crowd. But you were telling me that you know you have to actually take a picture. <laughs> You were telling me a story about what your son was doing, like on a drive or something, and I thought I found that funny. And it's like, why do we do this? <laughs> well, it was. It was funny to me too because he's just taking random pictures, and I said, "Do you have to take a picture before you can, you know, text?" And I think I said, "Talk," and he said, "No, mom, text." I said, "Well, okay, text." And he said, "Well, yeah." And then I said, "Well, why don't you just text then? <laughs> and if you're just taking random pictures, what good is that?" But, you know, it almost scares me more to think that these kids are, you know, always taking pictures of themselves even, you know. Well, you know, Ashley, before we get into, because I I definitely want to talk about the handheld devices, the phones and the taking the pictures and stuff. I want to talk more about Snapchat and the the random taking of pictures just as you're out and about as well. But before we go too deep into that, let's talk about like some really little, little kids and how technology is truly a part of their lives. I don't know about you, but my my little grandbaby, um, my my daughter has baby Einstein on her iPad, and um, and I think it's great, actually. But it amazes me that at three years old, he can actually navigate this. If he makes a mistake, he knows how to get back. He knows how to start it over. He knows how to do each one and navigate in between each little baby Einstein game at three years old. That's just crazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. And, yeah. Mine is the same way. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, but but at the same time, what if, you know, what if a, a mother, uh, you know, is um, doing dishes and her kid is sitting on the couch, you know, playing one of these, you know, innocuous children's games that are supposed to be safe, and then suddenly a hacker's in there, and they have immediate access right then. And we know that Netgear and other companies have had to come forward over the years, particularly the last five years, um, and admit that millions of people have been compromised through their webcams on their laptops. You know, a lot years ago when, when people like me were talking about that, we were painted as crazy, but it actually happens. And the same with, you know, we have the same technology on our smartphones. But what we got going on right now is this, I, I wrote this story, and it's basically, you know, what, what does uh, Barbie and Thomas and Friends have in common? And that is a company called Toy Talk. And Toy Talk has this technology that is basically voice recognition technology, but it's also 
voice recognition with interaction. And so Barbie, it's called Hello Barbie, and I've talked about Hello Barbie on the show uh, late last year a little bit. But Hello Barbie basically, it has Wi-Fi. That's very concerning to me. It has Wi-Fi. It's password protected by the parents. A parent, a parent has to... Um, accept the terms of service via email, uh, and the, the parents are the only one that has the password. Of course, that's if the parents don't share it with another caregiver or something. However, these Barbies are collecting the child's voice and their their activity, how they're interacting with the, the Barbie, when they're interacting with the Barbie. So first we have the problem with the fact that we know this is a marketing ploy, okay, just at its bare bones basic. It's a marketing ploy. It's a data mining thing. Uh, the company even says so, you know, that that's part of, of why they do this. This information is kept on a cloud. It is, uh, you know, uh, CAPA certified. It's, it's supposedly a kid-safe technology. However, in their own terms of service and their privacy policies, there are a lot of caveats and outs that, that, that we'll get into in a bit. But so that's the Barbie, right? So on top of the Barbie, Thomas and Friends, it's called, uh, there's an app, and it's Thomas and Friends Talk to You. And they have a, a video, and I have it in the story. And um, on the video, if you watch it, the way they've done the artwork, the graphics and stuff, you know, when Thomas comes rolling up, he looks like he's looking directly at you, regardless of kind of where you're standing or at in front of your screen. And he's talking to you, but he's talking back to you. He's actually engaging with what you're saying, how, you know, which is which is very, very crazy. Again, we live in an age of hackers. And I spoke with somebody who is a part of the hacktivist group Anonymous, and um they said hacking into these things would not be very difficult. And so that opens a whole different can of worms on so many levels. I mean, don't you think? Oh, yeah. It is scary to think about it. I hadn't gotten to that point probably yet in this, and I think I had seen maybe the Barbie on TV or something, but hadn't thought of a lot about it. So I'm glad that you're you're bringing this up and bringing it to light. I think it's important that parents are informed about what is happening <laughs> out there. Well, you and I played with Barbies when we were little. I mean, we played with yeah. Barbies all the time. I mean, it was like the mainstay staple, that and our little kitchen and, you know, <laughs> with right. our dishes and, and playing house and stuff. But, the, you know, the Barbies, I mean, can you imagine your little, you know, three-year-old grandbaby now or in a year or two playing with a Barbie that's Wi-Fi equipped, um, that's recording everything she says to it, and it's actually engaging. First and foremost, psychologically, parents, if, the, if, if you're a parent and you're listening and you are so time-strapped that you need a Barbie to babysit and interact with your child, you need to rethink your whole life plan because that's just not healthy and good in its own, you know, of its own accord. But aside from that, you know, we have all the disclosures from Ed Snowden about NSA and other governmental spying that's been going on for, you know, at least since 9-11. And so let's say that we know for a fact that they have the cell phone tower simulators and all these other means of collecting data from our cell phones, our emails, our phone calls, blah, 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 blah. 
So what's to say that they're also not in negotiation just like they were with the you know the wireless companies and the other telecom companies, and they're in negotiation with Toy Talk or other companies like them, and they're also data mining that because these Barbies with the voice activi- activation and stuff, they're going to pick up sound. I mean, what if what if I'm a mom or you know a grandma, my little grandbaby's here, and say something's you know I, I don't know. I mean, just say I come running through the house after an animal is shouting, I'm going to kill you, uh, you know because it chewed up my shoes or whatever. You know, I mean, that's getting, what happens with that kind of information as well and how is that treated? There are a lot of questions, Kim. But one thing that I, I want to make sure the listeners know about this technology is it's not so cut and dried simple with the whole Kids Safe uh, Kappa certification and stuff because in their privacy notice itself, it absolutely says that all of the data that they collect. Uh, if they sell the company or choose to give away the company, all of that goes with it. So you have – there is nothing in there that, that sh- sh- speaks on protecting who it's given or sold to in that event. Um, you know, so that's pretty crazy. The other thing is, is when I mentioned that caregivers – I mean, parents – well, first let me just say, there are too many people out there because they won't discuss things like pedophilia and child sexual abuse. There are too many parents out there that will never live their life as a parent with the realization that their spouse may abuse their child. That's just a thing, and we're going to talk more about that in a bit. But we do know for a fact, the statistics show, that the majority of child sexual abuse happens from, like 90% 90 or better, happens from a family member or a close family friend, which means caregivers and stuff like that. So we know that parents oftentimes, maybe they're great and they're not abusers, but we know that they, if there's a caregiver and a toy like that and there was a need, they wouldn't have a problem giving the password to the babysitter, the aunt, the uncle, or whoever's caring for the child, right? Right. So that they can play, interact. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, and then they have total access Exactly, and so what if it's like somebody that was like in in one of in one of our families, and and maybe they were into child pornography, and especially with the internet and child por- pornography being even more prolific, because now it's actually a huge money maker for for some pretty sick people. And wow, what access would they have with a Barbie doll or you know Thomas the Tank? And when we're talking pedophilia, which is the bulk of child pornography. We're talking prepubescent kids, so this is crazy. There's so many reasons this is wrong on the in, the invasive issue. It, it, it's it's really sickening. Uh, but so on that note, you know, I want to jump straight into kind of why you're here tonight, Kim, and this whole new thing that we're going to do uh, together. And um, I'm actually going to let you tell the listeners a little bit about it, what it's called, and stuff like that. Oh. You are. <laughs> Did you tell me you were doing that? Um, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to. It's called a sickness of silence. We call it SOS. Kim, go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about it. Yeah. You know, Sherry and I um, just have a lot of the same views, and I think it's just such a blessing that um, – that we do have these same views. But, um, you know, sickness of, of silence is, um, is is going to be a support place for um, for anybody who wants to come on and talk. And, and not only a support, but also 
uh, a place to um, to get different information. You know what? I am babbling, Sherry, so you have to go because you didn't warn me about <laughs> Sorry. Basically, Sorry, sickness, it's, it's, it's okay. It's all right. Um, Kim is going to be co-hosting with me on uh, this new project called A Sickness of Silence. Or we call it SOS. And basically what we're going to be doing is it's going to be roundtables. If you missed the show where Kim came on and we discussed our childhoods, a few weeks ago, you can find that on the archive on Blog Talk Radio or on the website at challengingrhetoric.news. Um, however, the new series is going to be a once-a-month series. It's going to be first Thursdays. It's a two-hour roundtable once a month, and it's going to start at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern for two hours. If you can't catch the live show or the whole show because of, you know, your work hours or or traffic and driving and all of that, you know, the archive will be available. But on this, we're going to – Kim and I are going to be co-hosting it together, but we're going to be joined by Sue, who was also on the, sh- the, the show a few weeks ago talking on this this topic, as well as Frederick Lane on, on this first uh, inaugural roundtable that we do, who was the cybercrime forensics expert, particularly with regards to child, child pornography. Kim and I have been speaking with a lot of experts uh, on many levels, uh, including different psychologists, law enforcement people that are kind of first to respond when a call does come in for child abuse and stuff like that. Um, and so we're going to be having other victims, both male and female, to join Kim and I. We're going to have a, a slew of experts also on the on the roundtable panel at the same time with us. We are going to have even possibly, potentially, and it's something that I'm, I'm actively speaking with, with some, uh, we may have some pedophiles themselves. And... I had toyed with the idea to make a joke and have a sound bite that was like a big boo because I know that that was kind of the reaction by some that heard me say that. But there's a reason for doing this, and there's a reason for us doing SOS. And as we peel back the onion on this issue, it'll become a little bit more clear. Nobody's out to normalize pedophilia. Nobody's out to excuse it or anything like that. But what we are trying to do, Kim and I, is we're trying to create some solutions because what we went through was pretty crazy, and we realized that there are so many, so many different dynamics from generation to generation, because our generation was just as unique as the one before it and the one after it, and generational concerns definitely play a role. I mean, wouldn't you say so, Kim? Oh, yeah. I mean, and when we were kids, it was like the height of the sexual revolution had just kind of, well, the height, it had just kind of really exploded. It was a time of sexual freedom. It was a time of, you know, the beginning of designer drugs, pretty much, and, you know, just freedom, expression, the hippie, free love, you know, days where people were dabbling in everything and everyone. And so for us, that definitely played a part in, the, not just the neglect of us as, you know, parentals and such live their lives, um, but also into what we were exposed to, which of itself lent to abuses. And then, you know, just the general, you know, ickiness of it all. But generations before, you know, a, a generation or two before, like the generation before our parents, it was incredibly highly buttoned up and you know i mean every generation has its thing but 
what every generation does have is what, Kim? Well, in this case, um, <laughs> in this case specifically, it, you're, a lot of the generations are carrying on this um, the sickness, and it's you know, and and if somebody isn't healthy enough to get to the place to stop it, you know, we need to be able to to help those people recognize that so that they can stop that and. Um, I have had an interesting, I, I don't know when to win this or not, but um, it's been real interesting in my case because one of my abusers is still around and I'm still um, very um, in contact with this person and um, they are, are very willing and open to talk to me at this point. And um, I think that's a, a really different twist in the whole thing because, um, you know, it's awesome because we can start this conversation even within the family, even though it's stopped within this, you know, within this, within this family. But um, you know, you never know what's going to happen to protect all the kids in your family. Yeah, and you know, because the prevalence of pedophilia, particularly um, a pedophile, you know, not all child molesters are pedophiles and and not all pedophiles actually abuse a child, which we'll get into more in SOS. Um, But, you know, the the reality for everybody that has a child in their life is, is that you cannot make any assumption on any relationship you have as an adult uh, of whether another adult is actually okay. Because almost all family members of the abusers never in a million years thought that they would do the things that they've done. That's quite typical. However, it's mostly because, in in our opinions, really, from the hours and hours of conversations that we've had between us and with with other survivors, is that it's it's because of this silence, which is truly the sickness, hence the name, um, because we will talk about it briefly when something happens. And, and, and I want you real quick before I go into the next segment, Kim, I want you to share, if you would, you shared something with me um, with somebody that you had lunch with today, and you had shared about, um, you know, the whole silence thing of somebody that uh, – at, at a church with a child that there's an ongoing thing right now. And, um, and and we were talking about how when somebody tells, it's like something happens like briefly for a moment and then nothing happens. Right. Right. And I think that you and I have And I know I just kind of mixed up two stories way. in one, so I'll let you clarify right. that. <laughs> no, I think you and I felt that way as well. That's what we've talked about is um, we did come to a point where we told what was going on and um, may or may not have felt that we were taken seriously right at that time and thought that maybe things were, you know, going to get better or resolved, which um, in in our cases, after that incident, it did get better and resolved, but it was still not um, portrayed as being something real bad. I mean, it was right. more like, oh... You know, you can work it out. If you have a nice family, you can work it out. And and I think that was you know one of the responses I told you that I felt um, even being taken to a counselor. Uh, so, you know, just that um, initial feeling like you're going to be heard. I mean, you have to be heard. And 
you know, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what my life would have been different if the circumstances would have changed and um, maybe I wasn't still in, in a, a relationship with that person throughout my whole life. But it's very different, too, because you do love that person. And, again, it goes back to, you know, the family part of it. Um, which, yeah, I think I think a lot of people yeah. make an assumption, and we'll go much deeper into this on SOS, but too many, not right. just a lot, too many people make the assumption that... Um, you know, that these abuses that we're speaking of when they happen, that, you know, as a small child, we know they're abuses. We do not. Um, uh, you know, on, on that note, uh, let's 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 talk about, <laughs> not that we ever want to talk about such a thing. We're going to move on to Liar of the Week because it's about a pedophile who is in Denver, Colorado. This week is Albuquerque Public Schools because they hired a child sex offender or an alleged child sex offender as a deputy superintendent of schools without completing a background check. Uh, They hired him over this past summer. They didn't do a background check, and right now he just resigned uh, a, a, a a few weeks ago. He resigned, and he claimed personal reasons. However, he is now currently on trial in Denver, Colorado, for abusing two young boys. And his name is Timothy Jason Martinez. Uh, he often went by Jason. And this this man was uh, the deputy superintendent of schools, access to kids at, at all times. You know, we have pedophiles everywhere. We have them within our government. So when NSA is collecting data, what are they collecting with the kids? Who has access to it? When we know children are sexting at such an early age and stuff, this dude had all this access to the schools. He's now back, you know, like I said, on trial in Denver, Colorado, uh, where Kim is. And, um, you know, here in, in in Albuquerque, New Mexico, he's back working with kids because they didn't do a background check. His crimes were uh, reported back in 2013 when the first charges for the, the child sexual abuse were, were laid on him that he's now in trial for. And then the public school systems across the country, they are tasked with the care and the safety of our kids. I don't care if it's public school or private school. When you are a caregiver and an instructor of a child, of a minor child, and their time is with you, you are responsible for them and what happens to them. My oldest daughter, uh, well, and her sister, but it was one of my oldest daughter's teachers, and I can't remember whether it was math or science, um, but it was big national news. He actually took off out of state with one of his students that was my daughter's age at the time, and it's just sickening that these things happen. So we don't really have any more details right now uh, about this Timothy Jason Martinez guy, uh, but the fact that Albuquerque Public Schools hired him on, brought him in, the school term has began, he has access to children, here he was charged with something back in 2013, and he is now literally on trial in Denver. Now, if he gets exonerated, he gets exonerated, but a background check should always be completed before we bring anybody into positions 
of any kind of authority or, or proximity to children. I mean, school bus drivers in many states only need to have like a seventh or eighth grade education. The background checks are relatively minimal there too. I mean, it doesn't matter what the situation is. I mean, I, I mean that's just crazy. How do you? I mean, this is in your hometown. Have you heard any like news about this, Kim? Um, I haven't heard a whole lot about that either, but um, but I know. Even throughout my years of working with kids, we always had background checks. I mean, you didn't step foot into a, a Sunday school classroom without a background check. That was just the way that it always is. And, um, you know, I know that the, the public schools, sometimes funding seems to be issues or, you know, whatever the issues are, but it's our kids' safety. And that does just break my heart that... Um, that it does slip through the cracks because they know it does so much. Right. And all the school districts. Yeah. Well, okay, so our liar of the week, you know, with the Albuquerque Public School Districts and for hiring Timothy Jason Martinez as their deputy superintendent, and here he's got charges for child sexual abuse, and now he's, you know, in, in, in court. So that's public schools, and private schools are really no different. But let me ask you something, because you have worked uh, over the years many, many times in, in abundance, actually, Um with children's ministries and church, with kids specifically in in the churches that you've been a member of the congregation, and what about churches in those capacities? Are they doing background checks with the Sunday school teachers for kids and stuff? Yes, if they were coming to do work specifically with the kids. Now there are times, um, you know, like special things would come up, maybe a Christmas pageant or something, and um, and then there would be extras parents and extra people around, they weren't always background checked. And it always concerned me. Um, I had another issue with one of the places that I worked at as well, that um, there were so many different people that could wander in and out of our children's ministry because it was the path to the fire room. And so we had, you know, people in and out all all, the whole morning. And um, it was always a concern for me. I always had an issue right. with that. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, Go ahead. Has, yeah, how do you make people understand that this really is important? I mean, yeah, it's, it's when my heart is so, so for children and, and wanting to protect them. I think I take on more of a um, trying to, to pre- protect them and shield them, and I um, had shared this with you, Sherry, as well, that... Um, you know, I need to take more of a an educating stand and not just try and, and protect and shield because we can't do that anymore. We're not always going to be around to protect and shield our kids. So they need to know what to watch for and so the parents. Yeah, you know, actually, um, I've been doing a lot of research because there there is a lot more out there today for parents and their kids than there was when we were children, um, especially in the way of books. And if you're a parent or you have a child in your life, I definitely, uh, you know, implore you to go to sicknessofsilence.org or .com, either or. It will take you to the same place, Sickness of Silence. And 
there's a lot of info there already. The website's still being built, but there's a plenty of info there already. It gives you inf- information on incest and pedophilia. Uh, there's information on grooming, and um, there's information on child pornography. There's information on the laws like Aaron's Law and other legislation out there. There's resources that are being built right now. There's some there, and th- some of the ones I was speaking on with regards to kids – it's, there's a, there's a several books, and there's a couple that I've actually um, checked out myself, and one of them is called Denial, The Sexual Abuse Wars by Sylvia Fraser. That one's not for kids. I'm sorry. That one's for adults, and that's actually a really good book because, it, you know, there's so much denial, and I say with regards to anything, uh, you know, with regards to mental illness and so on and so forth, that denial is the disease. It is the overriding disease where people cannot function enough to be well because of the denial itself. But the recommended books for kids thus far, from what I've checked out, Kim, is there's one that's called No Means No, teaching children about personal boundaries, respect and consent, empowering kids by respecting their choices and their right to say no. It's by Janine Sanders and also I Said No, a kid-to-kid guide to keeping private parts private by Kimberly King. And I think both of those are a really great start because one's addressing other adults and one's addressing kids because a lot of children, they don't have to already be abused to have this issue and problem themselves. But a lot of abused, sexually abused children particularly will also sexually abuse children that are even their peers if if they're bigger or stronger than them um, and can intimidate but or pressure, but particularly children that are younger than them, as Kim and I both experienced. Um, so, I mean, those are some good books, and you can find links to them on uh, sicknessofsilence.org under the Resources for Parents uh, tab at the top. But we got a lot of stuff going on there, and uh, there's a blog. There's going to be articles there. Me and Kim's, we have a, a, a brief synopsis of our story, what brought us together, why we're doing this. Our story is a little bit unique, as we shared on the, the show that, that we did a few weeks ago on this topic. Kim and I, we were off and on best friends from the age of about three or four until around 12, and uh, and then had pretty much no contact except for two brief encounters, and I mean brief by like an hour or two time difference, uh, you know, before we were 18 years old, and then we didn't speak again until about a year and a half ago. And in our our story is unique because part of the abusers of Kim were my own family that were abusing me. And because we were close, we were spending the night at each other's homes. Our our families were friends and interacting and doing their, their thing of the time. And we're going to get into much more of that and how it impacts everything, you know, on on uh, First Thursdays for for the new Challenging the Rhetoric special called A Sickness of Silence. It's going to be, it's going to be really good. And, and, Kim, thank you so much for being uh, so brave, having the courage to to do this because listeners, if you didn't hear the show a few weeks ago when Kim first came on, Kim has never really spoken about any of this stuff to anyone, including her own kids, and she is only now uh, going down that avenue and addressing this at, at my age, at 47 years old, whereas I've been talking about it for a long time. So there's a couple different perspectives and dynamics there. Sue has her own dynamic, and she will be a, a part of the, the monthly roundtables too. And so and with all the other people, it's going to be great. I mean, Kim, what do you think is going to be um, the best part of what we're trying to do with this, with SOS? 
Well, I just feel the best part of it is um, sharing my stories so that other people understand how the whole sickness works and, you know, sharing our story. And I think that um, you and I have had a lot of fun just reconnecting and um, not only just not only through some of the hard stuff, and, and I feel like we've been a great support for each other through that, but um, but also just connecting and having fun, too. So I'm just excited about the whole thing. I'm, I'm excited to um, to work with you, Sherry, because you're, you're just a, a very professional, neat person to work with. And <laughs> I, like uh, I try. I try. You a lot <laughs> Thank you. Media, and <laughs> I think that's, um, that's going to be good for me as well, to learn kind of all this media stuff that that you are so thank you well thank you you you, you definitely bring a lot to the table but one of the things i, I want to say to you and 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 to the listeners one of the things that's so great about you and i reconnecting now and and doing this project together is that it's almost like we get a mulligan to be friends again without all of that other stuff and there was so much of that other stuff that involved the same people that were in both of our lives that, you know, we didn't know if we were coming or going at any different time. And so having the friendship that we had always had parameters that we weren't even aware of at the time. So now it's just kind of different and 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 wonderful, <laughs> you know, to be able to reconnect. And, and also not just with you, but but connecting, not reconnecting, but connecting with other people that have gone through very similar things that we have, and not only as children, but different parallels throughout the, our, our adult lives as, as well. Um, so, Kim, we're gonna we're gonna jump on over to the next thing right now, which is um, we're gonna talk about something else that has to do with kids and how we are raising them, and and this is again about technology with kids and. We are supposed to lead by example as parents, as caregivers, authority figures, educators, whatever the case may be. Social media itself is so pervasive and so open that, you know, whether you're a teacher and it's your students, whether you're a parent and it's your children or your nieces and nephews or you're a grandparent, whatever the case may be, chances are the little ones in your life, if they're online, and believe me, most of them are at very young ages. I mean, as Frederick Lane, the the, the child pornography expert, shared with us, there are children as young as seven years old that are sexting. So, you know, w- with all of this stuff, they're taking a lot of their cues from us, and, and that includes the language that they use and their the way uh, that they're communicating and, and interacting. We we always say that you know the most important thing about s- social media is engagement. We want engagement, and and all that means is we want engagement on social media means we want likes and shares and comments. Okay, that's what engagement means on social media. But it doesn't really mean engagement. Do we have real community anymore? Do we have real engagement? I think the technology has really made us much more disengaged, and we are perpetuating more of that by how we as adults are presenting ourselves online in 140 characters or less. And so, you know, 
sometimes we 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 often play the semantical game because we can we're not face to face with people and so we can be quite rude and i find it ironic when someone who is often inappropriate pridefully argues in favor of their own facetiousness which means inappropriateness and if i want to add to that i can add some sarcasm and just say duh you know and but that's how we talk to each other in the social media land which the majority of people, if they are, you know, online, if they are "quote unquote" wired or wireless, they, this is how they're engaging, "quote unquote" engaging. This is what we're teaching our children. So now we're giving them Wi-Fi Barbies. Now we're giving them Thomas the Tank Engine that's talking right to them and with them, and not just at them anymore. We're giving them all these basic basically synthetic interaction and showing them that not only and and this is you know this is really what it comes down to because we're we're hurting the kids by how we're behaving online because again lead by example right and so we sit there and we we rail over free speech but we're failing to teach the importance of appropriateness you, you when we went from compassion to tolerance and we started teaching tolerance in school well, well all we did is we we taught our kids that it was okay not to care just to tolerate it no compassion anymore oh just tolerate it but then it got even worse than that and then we started teaching people that it's not only okay not to care but you can also be a real asshole about not caring and that's okay too you know and what are we really doing here kim i mean what are we truly teaching our kids what are we saying yeah no i totally agree with that. You know, something I just wanted to say um, first as I was thinking about it as you're talking uh, is my son always says to me that he can't ever judge what I'm what I'm really saying whenever I text. And I think, you know, and I think, so I find that funny. I call that the mood of the <laughs> moment, but yes. Right. Yeah, because I guess because I am, have always been tried to be engaging with my kids when they're talking to me. If I just say one or two words to answer what they're asking or to ask what they're doing, um, it's coming off as me being like mad or something. And and I don't I don't quite understand that either. <laughs> How they get that from that? <laughs> well, I'm sure so, that when our parents asked us things that we didn't want to talk about for whatever reason, we came off mad too. <laughs> Right, but I think that what I was saying is I think that that's the difference in, um, you know, what people are thinking. So if if we meet somebody and exchange phone numbers and then just text each other and don't ever talk again on the phone or don't ever see each other or, you know, how can we really build a relationship that way just over the over technology? I mean, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem possible to me because... I know you put the little smiley faces and all that stuff, but <laughs> there's yeah, there's no emoticon or emoji or anything in the world that is going to truly convey um, feelings. I mean, Facebook is uh, they're beta testing right now, and pretty soon instead of just a like button, we're going to have these other buttons. Uh, like a dislike and a angry and you know a sad and all these other buttons that are that are going to be coming out. I think it's called Facebook feelings or something like that. And I mean it's going to open its its own uh, can of worms, I'm sure, as anything does with technology. But but I but I think go ahead. Yeah, we're not teaching them to connect. I don't think we're teaching our kids to connect these days. And on a real level, it's all 
just electronic based is how they're connected. Right. Well, speaking of electronic connection, I want to take a pause in this, and we're going to come right back to this topic. I want to let the listeners know that uh, our, you know we are on Twitter at CTR News Feed, and I would like it if you would hit me up, follow me there, follow the show there. I mean, and then we can you know interact on Twitter. That's I, I use Twitter a lot, so if you want a, a quick path to me, that's a great one. Uh, also, you know, it's uh, Facebook forward slash challenging the rhetoric dot news to hit us up on the social media Facebook page. You can go to challengingtherhetoric.news itself for the website. Lots of stuff on the website. We do have a GoFundMe account. This is independent media. I always say that alternative does not mean better. Independent does not mean no agenda. You have to really listen to what you support and not just support it because someone you know does. Sharing is not always caring in that case. Um, But... If you are listening to this show, and even if it's only five bucks or two bucks, I I don't care. It's independent media. It costs me money every single month to do this show, not just for the airtime, which Blog Talk Radio and the other platforms do in fact charge for, but it costs me money for graphics. It costs me money for the website. It costs me money for lots of stuff, and I I do this because it is a labor of love, but if you love me and you love challenging the rhetoric, you're going to help me out. So hit me up on GoFundMe.com forward slash CTR news and uh shoot me a buck or two or five or a hundred who knows you know you know I, I will love you i'll talk about you on the air uh e michael silikowski and dr vivek Sagal, who is going to be the grill guest next week by the way we're going to talk about obamacare we're going to talk about shampoo review and all that sort of stuff they are ongoing contributors of the show it is because of them that i have been able to keep doing this week after week and um and all the components including bringing on this new series because challenging the rhetoric is challenging the rhetoric on every aspect of kind of the world and life and so as we expand we're going to be challenging the rhetoric in its own shows on many different topics like sos so that's that's really good to know so again every five dollars helps and that that is GoFundMe.com forward slash CTR News. We also, um, I can I could use some help with contributors. If you would like to write a story, uh, submit it to me. If you want to know, you know, what I'm going to be talking about each week, send me an email at challengingtherhetoric at yahoo.com. And if, if I know, <laughs> I'll let you know and we can work something in. If you do submit something to me, it does go through an editorial process. Sometimes the process is relatively quick if you submit something that is relevant to an upcoming show. Um, it, that, it doesn't always work that way. I know as a freelancer, when I submit stuff out there, it can be six months before I even get a no from somebody, let alone a yes. So please be patient. But that's challenging the rhetoric at Yahoo, Yahoo.com. And I really very much look forward to your contributions, and I would love to get a bunch of them up there. And that includes not just written articles, but that includes uh, graphics stuff that includes like memes and and infographics that also includes photography and videography. You know, if you write political poetry, hit me up. It doesn't matter. If you write some really good music with a message, hit me up and I'll get you on the music, Jones. I'll, you know, I'll, 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 I'll get that out there and start promoting your work. There's lots of things that we can do together on all of the things that we do here on Challenging the Rhetoric. So anyways, Kim, back to what we're talking about. Um, you know, with all of the stuff and how, you know, we're leading by example with the kids and it's kind of hard when there's, you know, these technology generational gaps and, you know, pretty soon our children surpass us on everything and they have these things in their hands that we don't quite understand ourselves. So we, 
if we don't understand the capability of these things that our children have, then we obviously we can't understand the the harm that that capability can cause. So how 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 do we how how can I in challenging the rhetoric moving forward? How can I get parents more aware of technology is not always good? Yeah, I think. Gosh, people send us some suggestions. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, I've always tried That's a to good be, idea. If you have suggestions, if you have parenting yeah. tips on how to deal with uh, the technology, specifically the types of technology I'm talking about with the with Toy Talk, uh, the company Toy Talk, you can go to toytalk.com uh, and, and find out more about them or just go to challengingtherhetoric.news and hit up these stories. All the links are in there with the info. But, you know, there are they're not the only company like that. I mean, there is so much pervasive and invasive stuff, and it's, it's just crazy. So parents, please uh, shoot us an email at challengingtherhetoric at yahoo.com and tell us if you have suggestions on how to protect your kids. It is not as simple as just don't let them have it. It's not that simple. We can't have these blanket statement answers because they are not answers. They are not solutions. They only perpetuate the problem more because when you don't give a child something, a lot of child children will simply rebel because of that and that alone. And I'm not saying give your child everything. I'm simply saying within moderation. So how how do we moderate in a very real way these very things that, in a way, a lot of parents are giving their kids to babysit them because they supposedly don't have time. So parents, shoot us some answers. Maybe somebody needs to make an app that's a babysitter Barbie <laughs> and the actual Wi-Fi connection is a Wi-Fi connection with mom. <laughs> yeah. So we, we want ideas from the listeners. But right now, Kim and I are going to give you some ideas on just uh, this is our activist tips uh, area right now of the show before we start closing out. Let, let's talk a little bit. I, I mentioned uh, many weeks ago one of the things that I as a parent that had gone through abuse, it, particularly with child molestation and pedophilia, was that why would I ever want to give a, a, a potential uh, harm, you know, harmster <laughs> uh, access to my kids or a map? to where to access them. And, you know, my kids were great students. They often came home with the, you know, honor roll student at such and such school bumper stickers and window clings and all that sort of stuff. And they were always a little perturbed when I would not put them on the vehicle. But I was like, yeah, and some crazy pervert's going to see us walking through the grocery store and watch us walk outside and get in the car and see the bumper sticker on the back of the car, and now they know what school you go to. You know, <laughs> so so I personally, as a parent, I do not suggest that parents put identifying bumper stickers and stuff like that on their vehicles or anything that is attached to your, ch- your children in that way. Um, you know, what other things, Kim? Yeah, I mean, I make sure that it, especially my minor that's still at home, I know all of the passwords to all of his devices. You know, once in a while he'll change them up on me and I'll have to say... I've been checking on you, and <laughs> I need to know what you know what's going on. But, but like you said, there's just everything is evolving so fast. It seems like to me that there's so many new things that keep coming out that it's hard for me to even keep up with all of it. So, um, you know, I I don't when I'm watching my grandchild, I don't always allow her to. Um, 
sit on the computer and, and play games all the time. I I get her outside. I think that that's something yeah. that's really missing, missing too, is when even when we have play dates with other kids her age, the imagination isn't there because they're always being put in front of a computer or something like that. So, um, right. You don't have to use your imagination. You've got all and, that and when we say put in front of a computer, that includes Xbox Live. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but but Kim, you're talking about outside, which is important because I mean that's part of the problem with childhood obesity, obesity and stuff like that is that kids are on devices; they're not out in the yard playing like when we were kids. But at the same time, we know how dangerous it can be also to be out playing. And one of the things we're going to talk about on SOS is the fact that when you and I were five years old, we were walking nearly a mile. Just you and I walking a near nearly a mile at five years old to our kindergarten and walking home again, point nine miles. Can you tell me if you're a listener? I would love to hear from you. Kim would love to hear from you on this. Can you imagine letting a child of four and five years old walk even around a block? by themselves, let alone nearly a mile, twice a day, five days a week. That is pretty crazy to both of us. We have been learning so many things uh, about our own childhood that we're hoping that talking about these things with technology tonight is opening some parents' eyes. If you're not a parent and you were listening tonight and you are connected to a parent, please, or a caregiver, please share the link to tonight's show and... um, you know, you could save a child. I can't tell you how many times, whether I was outside, you know, off on a, on a walk because the parents told me to, and a pervert pulled up and tried to get me in the car or exposed themselves to me, or at a, at a public park and walking home. There's a park in Colorado called Washington Park. Kim and I, as very tiny little girls, when I when she would come over to my house, we would walk to and from, in and out of this park for my swimming lessons. Didn't matter the weather; it was the weirdness. I mean, who does that? These are these are questions that we all need to ask ourselves. Don't buy your kids a, a Wi-Fi equipped Barbie with voice recognition. Ask yourself, as a parent or a caregiver or a grandparent or a gifter, why would you want a child? to have such a thing. Kim, can you think of any conceivable reason for a child to have a, a small child? I mean, think of the age that, that is Thomas and Friends and Barbie. Come on now. No, I mean, I think that an old-fashioned um, Fisher-Price recorder that they can sing and then listen to themselves in is perfectly fine with me. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it, it's not any less entertaining as it was for us as kids. It really isn't. It is us as adults, consumers. We are consumers. We stopped being parents the minute our kids started stomping their feet and saying, I want, I want, I want, because so-and-so has. Right. We bow down to less than peer pressure of our children. That's a little ridiculous. Kim, thank you very, very, very much for coming on again with me tonight. I look forward to the very first roundtable. If you're listening tonight or you're listening to an archive, please mark your calendars for Thursday, November 5th. That will be the first a Sickness of Silence, SOS Roundtable, two-hour special. It's going to be an ongoing seri- series once a month. 
Kim and I are going to be co-hosting it together. We're going to have a huge roundtable panel of other survivors, both male, both male and female, as well as experts and maybe even some of the offenders themselves. It's going to be pretty interesting. We would love your support and your interaction because this is all at our own peril and at our own emotional distress. We are doing this to save a child. And we know that you want to save a child too, so we really invite you to participate with that. Don't forget to go to the website, challengingtherhetoric.news, all the stories we talked about tonight and then some are there you can find them in the right sidebar along with the gofundme link gofundme.com forward slash ctr news find us on twitter at ctr news feed and on facebook for facebook.com forward slash challenging the rhetoric dot news i love you guys i really appreciate every listen like and share not only for this weekly show here every wednesday night at six and i will be back next week so please be back with me but also on the new one on first thursdays mark that in your head not just on your calendar first thursdays the first one is november 5th a sickness of silence thanks for joining us on challenging the rhetoric love you very much i appreciate every listen See you next week. Bye.